Okay, Matthew 14, and uh, we will get started here. Hopefully everything's working now. And uh, we're down in verse number 22 now. Matthew 14, 22, And straightway Jesus constrained his disciples to get into a ship and to go before him unto the other side while he set, while he sent the multitude away. And when he had sent the multitudes away, he went up into a mountain apart to pray. And when the evening was come, he was there alone. Now Christ sends the multitude away, the 5,000 that they've just fed. And his disciples, he's sent out, they're going to go out now onto the Sea of Galilee. That's where they're at. And they're going to, they're going to really kind of go to, he's going to go walk on the water now. That's what he's going to do. But he sends them away. Um, the comparative passages to this is Mark 6 and John 6. And uh, in John 6, between these two events, with the feeding of the 5,000 and the walking on water, we saw when we were in John that uh, he then has the big discussion about him being the, the bread of life and where he says, I am the bread of life and where they begin to, the multitudes want to make him king because he fed them. You know, he said, you guys are here because I fed you, not here for the right reasons. And now he's going to move to the, the issues here with the little flock and as uh, the, the disciples, um, and, and again, the disciples are that picture, the type, they are the little flock, and he's going to send them away now into this ship, and they're going to go out into the, uh, the Sea of Galilee, and what's going to happen is, is a storm's going to come up, take them, and then they're going to cry out for help, and they're going to toil and, and try to get there, and um, Peter's going to get out and walk on some water and take his eyes off of Christ and do some, uh, have some doubt and so forth. And literally what, you're, what we're going to see here in this issue with the walking on the water and the storm and everything is where, one, Peter is a type, uh, a picture of the trying of their faith. Uh, over in, in uh, later passages, James and those guys talk about uh, the, uh, the trying of your faith works in patience and so forth. And really what we're going to see here is a picture of what's ahead for the little flock. And uh, the, it's really going to end up with them being down in the um, issue of the tribulation. If you look there at verse 24, But the ship was now in the midst of the sea, tossed with waves for the wind was contrary now when you look at the issue here when he says in the midst of the sea the sea of galilee is roughly eight miles by 15 miles so they're not very far across they're only halfway about four miles into it and uh, they've been working at it if you look at verse 25, and in the fourth watch of the night, Jesus went unto them walking on the sea. They've been working for at least nine hours, and they got halfway, okay? So the fourth watch is at 3 a.m. time period, and evening, they started at 6, go out, and they run. <laughs> They've been working at this for nine hours, and they just didn't. They just now get into the middle, the midst of the the middle of the sea, 
And really, the problem in all of this is that goofy storm that's come up. And they're having a real tough time of getting anywhere. So now Jesus is going to, he's gone up into the mountainside, back up there in verse 22 and 23. Again, a type of the ascension of Christ. They're going to go out, the disciples in the ship, they're going to go out and they're going to be working, they're going to be occupying while he's gone. And yet they're in the middle, the midst of a tremendous storm. And in the four, verse 25, and in the fourth watch of the night, Jesus went unto them walking on the sea. And when the disciples saw him walking on the sea, they were troubled. I don't know if you've ever, I always wondered why they weren't happy to see him coming. But they were, tr- they were troubled. <laughs> well, they recognize him because, well, eventually they do because they're going to see who it is. But they're troubled. And they say it's a spirit, and they cried out with fear. Now, what you see when he walks on the water here is a, tr- is a great demonstration of the deity of Christ. Come over to Job chapter 9. And, and, and the reason you know this is because of passages like Job 9 here. And again, when you come, the storm... They're out there in the middle of the sea. It's tossed to and fro, and he comes walking out there in the middle of it like nothing, like a Sunday stroll. And when you come back to Job 9 here, what you begin to see is you begin to see that that issue of him walking on water clearly identifies him as deity. And and, and again, it's a tremendous uh, demonstration of who he is in this, in this miracle, the walking on the water. Job 9, verse 1. Then Job answered and said, I know it is of a truth, but how should man be just with God? If he will contend with him, he cannot answer him one of a thousand. Uh, that's why we were in study in Romans in the Sunday mornings in, in chapter 3 there. And there's none righteous, no, not one. There's nothing that man is going to be able to say at all. Verse 4, he is wise in heart and mighty in strength, who hath hardened himself against him and hath prospered, which which removeth the mountains and, and they know not, which overturneth them in his anger, which shake shaketh the earth out of her place and the pillars thereof tremble, which cometh the sun and it riseth not, and sealeth up the stars, which alone spread out the heavens, and, notice, treadeth upon the waves of the sea. Now, Job's describing the majesty and the, the awesomeness of, the, of God, of deity, of who he is. And one of the things that demonstrates his majesty, demonstrates his deity, his strength, his power, his greatness is this issue of walk, treading on the waves, walking on the water, and moving out there. Come back with me to Mark chapter 6. And, and, and literally, <coughs> the, <laughs> you would think that these guys would know Job and that they would understand this issue of him walking on water and and it being a, a declaration of him being God, a being deity. If you look there at Mark 6 and verse 52, for, for they considered 
not the miracles of the loaves, for their heart was hardened. That was their problem. Fear, they're out there in that boat, they're out there in the middle of that storm, and fear got them. Fear grabbed, uh, grabbed them. Fear had overtaken them. And fear had moved and worked itself in and began to control them. They didn't expect to be delivered. See, they're worried about the circumstances in the, around them. They're out in, in the middle of, of that lake, of, of the Sea of Galilee there. You know, they're, they're stuck in the middle. I don't know if you've ever been out on water when the waves are kind of high. I have. You real quickly lose where land is. <laughs> Even though it's still right there, you, you're up and down. Uh, come back to Daniel 7. We were, I was watching that deadliest catch the other night, and the boat got a hole in it or something wasn't working, a pump or something, and it began to take on water, was listing, and it was all loaded. And, yeah, they were scared. They're like, we got to get this water off or we're going down, you know. And, and obviously, you know, they did because it's a TV show. But uh, the thing of it is, is they weren't acting like it was a TV show. They were shocked. It was something unexpected. But that's what happened here. These guys are out there operating, not as who they were, but operating in the circumstances. And, and you know, we, we do that, don't we? we? We quit operating as who we are in Christ, and we get to looking at circumstances around us, and fear creeps in. And, and again, the point here with these guys is, is that they've allowed their emotions to get them. They've allowed the circumstance to run them. And uh, really, in, in that, when the Lord walks out there to them, we'll see it here in a minute, and he says hello to them, they calm down once they realize who he is and what's going on. But in this passage about the walking on the water and everything, it really is tremendous truths that are going on here because Christ walks to them on a stormy sea, and all of that is pictures of the tribulation period, of what that little flock's going to have to go through and deal with. Daniel 7, in verse 1, In the first year of Belshazzar, king of Babylon, Daniel had a dream and visions of his head upon his bed, then he wrote the dream and told the sum of the matters, and Daniel spake and said, I saw in my vision, notice, by night. It's a night vision, all right? And behold, the four winds of the heaven strove upon the great sea. Notice, notice the connection here to Matthew 14. The wind is out there whipping up the storm on the sea. And, and the rest of Daniel 7 begins to literally talk about the 70th week of Daniel, so what we're having here, come back to Matthew. Um, actually, you know what, run over to Psalms. You're in Daniel. We can go over there to Psalms 93. So what you have in Matthew 14 is this picture of the tribulation time that's coming. The wind has come and whipped up the storm and whipped up the sea. What's going to happen? The Antichrist is going to show up and the persecution is going to get rolling and they're going to be tormented and persecuted and it's just going to, it's just going to wear them out. You know, it's going to get worse and worse on them. It's going to get heavy. And then all of a sudden, uh, Psalms 93, did I tell you that? Uh, helps if I get there. Okay. Psalms 93. So when Christ shows up out there and he comes walking to them on water, 
And again, he comes out there, and all of this is pictures. It's all type. And it's a type of what's going to happen in the tribulation when the Lord comes back in his second coming. They're going to be going through all the trouble, all the turmoil, and then he's going to come back. And when he comes back, he comes back and he rescues them. And uh, you begin to see that. Now watch Psalms 93 here, verse 1. The Lord reigneth. He is clothed with majesty. The Lord is clothed with strength, wherewith he hath girdled himself. The world also is established that it cannot be moved. Thy throne is established of old. Thou art from everlasting. So we're talking about the kingdom, the second coming into the millennium. The floor, the floor, the floods have lifted up, O Lord. The floods have uh, lifted up their voices. The floods lift up their, their waves. So the storm is raging. The Lord on high is mightier than the noise of many waters, yea, than the many waves of the sea. Thy testimonies are very sure. Holiness becometh thine house, O Lord, forever. When, the Lord, when Jesus comes back, it's going to be like the waves roaring over, over on the sea out there. The storm is tossing, and the waves are raging. And you know what? He comes back. He comes back mightier than all of it, and he calms the whole thing down. And that's literally what we're seeing. Uh, come on over to Revelation 12. We're looking at these, so you see this issue of about a raging storm. The Lord returns, calms it down, because that's the picture being painted in Matthew 14. Um, Revelation 12. Revelation 12 and verse 6. Revelation 12 and verse 6. Um, and, and, and the woman, and that's going to be Israel, fled into the wilderness where she hath a place prepared of God that they should feed her there uh, a thousand two hundred and threescore days. One thousand two hundred and sixty days. So... When you think, and this is one why it's wonderful to know the time chart, the time schedule back there in Daniel. And what's going to happen that Daniel 9 says that this event, Revelation 12, these events here happen in the midst of the week. Where are the guys in the boat out there in Matthew 14? They're in the midst of the sea. So it's going to line up right where everything else is in the, in, the, in the doctrine of what's coming and what's happening. So the woman here, Israel, she flees into the wilderness, just like God, just like Christ took those people, that multitude in the wilderness, and what did he do with them? He fed them, 5,000, prepared that table. And one day, out there in that tribulation time, he's going to take that nation of Israel put her over in the wilderness, in the sanctuary cities, the refuge cities, and he's going to feed her there. Um, look over at Hosea. See if you can find Hosea. <clears throat> Hosea, can you see any red bugs on me? Hosea chapter 2. Okay? And what's going to happen there is, again, what Matthew 14 is doing is teaching the 12, the disciples, the little flock, about what's coming their way. We looked at this when we looked at the, at the uh, parables, and I said, listen, the Lord's rejected. Now he's showing them what's coming their direction. 
Hosea, it's after Daniel. Hose, Ezekiel, Daniel, Hosea. Hosea. Hosea 2, verse 14. Therefore, behold, I will allure her, that's Israel, and bring her into the wilderness and speak comfortably unto her. And I will give her her vineyards from thence and the valley of Achor for a door of hope. The place out there in that wilderness out there where she's going to be able to go and come and, and, and get her get back into her blessings. And she shall sing there. Now watch. As in the days of her youth and as in the day when she came up out of the land of Egypt. Now where do we learn that? We read that in Exodus and we read that in Numbers and we read about that in Deuteronomy. So when you go, when what Hosea is saying is, is when you go back into Exodus and Numbers and Deuteronomy and Joshua and Judges and Samuel and Kings and Chronicles, all of that information is, as Dad would say, that dry run, that dress rehearsal for the final day out there. And again, you see it as in. Hey, you want to see what this is going to be like over there? You want to see what this is when I give her her blessings and I speak comfortably to her and I'm going to take care of her in the wilderness and then I give her that door of hope, then what you got to do is you got to go back over there in her past and look down through it. So come back to Matthew 14. The feeding, of the, in the, feeding them in the wilderness, type of the second coming, the tribulation. He's going to come back now and he's going to walk on water with them and he's going to feed that multitude... He's going to make the provisions for them. Remember last week when we talked and they kept coming back to him. He's the issue. He's the issue. Now, in verse 25, there's a, some information timing-wise that we have to be uh, aware of. And that's the issue. And in the fourth watch of the night, Jesus went unto them walking on the sea. And it's, under, and it's important that we understand the issue of the fourth watch and the watches of the night, okay? By the way, nighttime. In Scripture and in, in pro prophecy and prophetic Scriptures, night is not a good time, okay? Night's not the good time. You want to be in the day. He's going to say, as long as I'm here, it's daytime. When I leave, it's nighttime. So we're going to have some trouble there. But these issues of the watches... In the night. So what you have is, you, uh, he says, the fourth watch. Now come over to Mark 13. Mark chapter 13. And notice these watches. Mark 13. Now in the Old Testament, they, the Jews divide up the evening in three sections. But in the New Testament, they're under Rome, so they divide it up in the four. Okay, so we're going to kind of come out here like this, and it kind of goes like this, all right? So we're going to have one watch, we're going to have two watch, we're going to have three watch, we have fourth watch, okay? So the first watch, um, what, I didn't tell you where, did I? Mark 13, 35. Watch ye therefore, for ye know not when the master of the house cometh. At even, okay? At what? 
midnight at cock crow and at morning so that's 6 p.m. to 9 9 to midnight midnight to 3 and 3 to 6 that's how that breaks out all right in those watches you've got the name there so you have the four watches of that run that evening now Matthew 14 says that he came out when he comes out walking on the water in the fourth watch all right they started over here at six they're still working it till three <laughs> they're still working it they've been working nine hours trying to get out there and they're struggling okay now when you talk uh, come back to Malachi chapter 4 let's just put some more information on the board Malachi 4 when you talk about him coming in the fourth watch of the night there's some interesting things here that begin to kind of get plugged in when you begin to look at prophecy. Malachi chapter 4, verse 1. For behold, the day cometh that shall burn as an oven, and all of the proud, yea, and all that do wickedly shall be stubble. And the day that cometh shall burn them up, saith the Lord of hosts, that it shall leave them neither root nor branch. Where are we... To, oh, Second coming, okay? Second coming. Right there. Now watch verse 2. But unto you that fear my name shall the, what? The sun. There's going to be a sun show up there. Now who is that? That's the Lord Jesus Christ. The sun of righteousness arise with healing in his wings and again that's Christ coming the beginning of the kingdom out here okay by the way this is night time all right you've got the kingdom happening out there um, the son of righteousness shall rise and heal with healing in his wings and he shall go forth and grow up as calves of the stall. Come back on over to Matthew chapter 13. So you've got some things going on here. Matthew 13. Matthew chapter 13, verse 41. Matthew 13, 41. Matthew 13, 41. The Son of Man shall send forth his angels, and they shall gather out of his kingdom all things that offend and them which do iniquity, and shall cast them into a furnace of fire. There shall be wailing and gnashing of teeth. Then shall the righteous, notice, shine forth as the sun, where? In the kingdom of their father, who hath ears to hear, let him hear. When that kingdom shows up, it's like the sun coming up. Come back on to John chapter 9, and it's called daytime. So come on, again, John 9, and when, I mean, we spent a lot of time in John, and John 9, verse 4. John 9, verse 4. I must work the works of him that sent me while it is, what? Day. This is the day. When he's with them out here, 
He says, I'm here. What is it? Daytime. Verse the night cometh, verse 4, when no man can work. As long as I am in the world, I am the light of the world. Come over to 1 Thessalonians 5. So when the Lord is there, it's daytime. He dies on the cross. He's resurrected, right? He's taken out. He's, he's ascended. And off he goes. And guess what time it is? It's nighttime. Okay? When he is resurrected up, i got to keep my cheat note out here so I know where I'm. 1 Thessalonians 5. So when the Lord here, when he's, he's crucified, he sends up, guess what time it is? It's nighttime. It's time for him. He's not there. And he goes out. It's called nighttime. 1 Thessalonians 5. When he comes back over here, guess what it is? It's daytime. Okay? When he comes back. You, with, you follow that? 1 Thessalonians 5. Notice verse 1, But of the times and the seasons, brethren, ye have no need that I write unto you, for yourselves know perfectly, for the day of the Lord so cometh as a thief in the night. Drop down to verse 4. But ye, brethren, are not in darkness, that that day should overtake you as a thief. Ye are all the children of light and the children of the day. We are not of the night nor of the darkness. You know what Paul's telling you there? We live in the nighttime. We're not the children of the dark. We're the children of what? Light. Right now, in the dispensation of grace, it is dark. It is a nighttime if you, when you think about this. Now, what's going to happen? If you're a child of the darkness, who do you belong to? You belong to Satan. You're part of the satanic policy of evil. In a minute, in Matthew when Peter's going to look out there and he's going to say, Lord, if that be you, he's going to use the same terminology that Satan does earlier in Matthew. He, so the, and the Lord's going to rebuke him, oh, oh, you little faith. The time period in here that we're talking about in the tribulation, that time between the ascension of Christ and his return is called the night time. All right? Now, when he talks about the nighttime, you know what, look, look at this passage. I've been, Song of Solomon. I don't know if you've ever read Song of Solomon. It's a great little book. Song of Solomon, uh, chapter 6. It's a book written about the little flock, uh, that virgin daughter of Israel, that group of people that have that wonderful relationship with, with, with Christ. During the tribulation time period, that little flock that, that you know, we've been looking at all in Matthew, all in Luke, and all in John, that wonderful, and by the way, Song of Solomon has the only physical description in chapter 5, is the only physical description of the Lord Jesus Christ. It's a wonderful book. Uh, chapter 6, Song of Solomon 6, verse 10. Who is she that looketh forth as the what? The morning. Fair as the moon. Isn't that interesting? Clear as the sun and terrible as an army with banners. Did God make, a, he made the sun to rule the day and the what? 
the moon to rule the night, didn't he? We got a moon out here. I can't drive it, so draw it, so let's just say moon. <laughs> okay? The moon's in. So you've got this wonderful picture here of the night and called the moon. That's where we're at. Now, come back with me to Matthew 14. What you have, well, <clears throat> I want to, you got to think about this. Talking about this fourth watch. The little flock, the stuff that's going on here in Matthew 14, is describing what the, in, in the prophetic scriptures and so forth, something very, very wonderful, okay? Now, when you think about how God counts, we are talking about this a little bit last week, how does God count? He goes one day, two day, three day, four day, five day, six day, seven, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven. You and I, we count to ten. One to ten, then we go what? Eleven to twenty, don't we? He doesn't count there. He counts what? Six days of creation, seventh day I rested. We start over. Six day. So you've got day one, day two, day three, day four, day five, day six. One day with the Lord is how long? A thousand years, right? So we're going to have one day, two day, three day, four day, one day. Okay, you, you go down through and you look at all of the, the, the wonderful things in the Old Testament where he operates by seven. There are six days and on the seventh day is the Sabbath. Okay? Think about Leviticus 23, 24, 25. Then the 70th week. Think about that. Seven. All right? Tribulation. You have, you run seven weeks. How many days is that? 49. What's on the 50th day? Pentecost. Then you run seven months. And you know what happens in the seventh month, seven months later? You have the Feast of the Trumpets, the Atonements, and the Tabernacles. Okay? Then you run seven sevens of years. And what happens the 50th year? Jubilee. Sevens all through all of this. All right? He created life... On the fifth day, that's where he created life. All right? By the way, that's right when he showed up in human history, to Christ did. Okay? So you're going to have seven days, seven days, seven days. You know what? Come back to Exodus 19. Again, you can do this all day long. We're not going to run it because of that clock ticking back there. Look at Exodus 19. But you can go back through the Old Testament and you can run the 777s. Uh, Exodus 19, uh, start in verse 10. Exodus 19, 10. And the Lord said unto Moses, Go unto the people and sanctify them today and tomorrow they, and let them wash their clothes. So they're going to get baptized, clean them up, and be ready against the what? Third day. For the third day, the Lord will come down in the sight of all the people upon Mount Sinai. 
verse 16. And it came to pass on the third day in the morning that there were thunders and lightnings and a thick cloud upon the mount and the voice of the trumpet exceeding loud so that all the people that was in the camp trembled. And the Lord came down upon Mount Sinai on the top of the mount and the Lord called Moses up to the top and Moses went on. When the Lord came down, you know what he said? Mark off one day, two days, mark off three days, and on that third day, what's going to happen? I'm going to show up, okay? And again, one day with the Lord is a thousand years, right? A thousand years is one day. We were just there in Hosea. Run back there to Hosea. Hosea chapter 6 again. We were just there. We're talking about something else. Hosea 6 verse 1. Hosea 6, verse 1. So these are days. You begin to think about this. You know what he says? Watch. He says, Moses, on the third day, what am I going to do? I'm coming. Okay? One day, two day, three day. On that third day, what am I doing? I'm coming. And I'm going to be with you. Hosea 6, verse 1. Come and let us return unto the Lord, for he hath torn and he will heal us. He hath smitten and he will bind us. After two days will he receive us. In the third day he will raise us up and we shall live in his sight. What are we going to do? One day, two, he's going to come, bam. It's going to work. It works every time. Three days. Three days. Three days. Come on over to Matthew 17. After two days, in the third day, he will raise us up. And you know what we're going to do? We're going to live in his sight. Matthew 17, come on over there. So again, one day, two day, three. On that third day, he's going to raise us up. We're going to live in his sight. That's resurrection. That's what you have. And that's what's happening here. Matthew 17, verse 1. And after six days... Jesus take Peter, James, and John, his brother, and bringeth them up into a high mountain apart and was transfigured. Okay, this was the Mount of Transfiguration. After how many days? Six days, right? One, two, three, four, five, six. Boom, right there. What do they see? Second Peter, they, they see his eyewitnesses of his majesty and his glory. Come on over to Luke chapter 9. Luke chapter 9, Luke 9, Luke 9 verse 28, same event, and it came to pass about an eighth days after these sayings, he took Peter and John and James and went up into the mountain to pray. So Matthew 7 says, and after six days and about eight days. So what's in between six and eight? Seven. Okay, five, six, seven. Again, he comes, resurrection in, and off they go. All right? You follow that? John, chapter one. I had the kick, I had the best time teaching John. John 1, in John, John's got an interesting uh, dating system through John. 
there, we'll see it here in just a minute. John 1, verse 29. Well, I actually want to see it now. <laughs> 1, verse 29. John 1, 29. The next day John seeth Jesus. See that issue of seeth Jesus coming unto him and saith, Behold, the Lamb of God which taketh away. All right? So look at verse. So if it says the next day, that means there's already been one day, right? That, that one day starts back up there at verse 19 and runs down through verse 29. So a, no, a new day started at verse 29. Now drop all the way down to verse 35. 135. And the next day after John stood and two of his disciples. All right? So we've got one day, two days. This is the third day. Verse 43. The day following, Jesus would go forth into Galilee and findeth Philip and so forth. So how, now we got four days. Chapter 2, verse 1. And the third day there was a marriage in Cana of Galilee, and the mother of Jesus was there. Now that's interesting. We've got four days, right? And then three more days, who shows up? The marriage at Cana does, okay? And guess who's standing there with him? The mother of Jesus. The mother of, who is that? Well, I know it's Mary, but who is she? She represents who? Israel. That's who she represents. So you have this issue of here on that seventh day, where are we? By the way, the, the marriage at Cana his, is the Lord's first miracle that he does. By the way, the Lord's first miracle, Peter's first miracle, and Paul's first miracle are all miracles of, of dispensational value. And they're going to teach something about not only dispensationally what's going on, but also about what their ministry is going to be about. Here with the Lord and the, the marriage at Cana, it has to do with his coming kingdom reign and the restoring joy and all, all of the blessings of the kingdom to Israel. And that's what he does. They have no wine. He gives them back wine. There's great joy. All right? John 4. John 4. <clears throat> I just, you just can't... I don't know how you can deny some of this as you read and look through it, but it excites me about it. John 4, verse 43. Now after two days he departed and went into Galilee. For Jesus himself testified that a prophet hath no honor in his own country. Then when he was come into Galilee, the Galileans received him, saying, having seen all the things that he did in Jerusalem of the feast, for they also went unto the feast. For two days, he's rejected. He goes down, he dwells with the Samaritans, he's with the outcast group, which, by the way, that's where the little flock comes out of, <laughs> those guys up in the gal up there. But then he comes back to them, and what happens? They receive him because they heard about all that, see, okay? So you've got, they were down there as nobodies, and they come back up, all right? He was down there how many days? Two days. Come over to John 11. 
John 11. John 11. <clears throat> John 11. You got Lazarus. 11.6. When he had heard, therefore, that he was sick, he abode two days still in the same place where he was. How long did he last? Two days. Two days. I didn't do this. In Scripture, when you deal with that seven, it is always broken up in four and three. See how we got life here? Four and three. It's always broken up in four and three. In Matthew 13, when we did those parables, there were how many parables? Do you remember? How many? Seven. Four outside, three inside. Four outside the house, three inside. All day long. All right, Lazarus here, sorry. How long? He didn't, you know, the Lord didn't go down there immediately. He waited two days. He gets the word he's sick. He's, dying, he's on his deathbed. The Lord waited two days, verse 15. And I am glad for your, uh, uh, verse 14. Then said Jesus unto them plainly, Lazarus the dead. And, and I am glad for your sakes that I was not there to the intent ye may believe. Nevertheless, let us go unto him. The purpose of his delay and allowing Lazarus to die was so that his disciples might what? Believe. Now, there are three times in your Bible where the Lord delays going to give aid and going to the rescue of the little, of the little flock. One of them is Lazarus right here in 11.15. All right. The other one we've already seen in Matthew 9, Jairus' daughter, he delayed. And the other one is the one we're looking at in, Mark 4, in Matthew 14, but come back to Mark 6. Mark 6. He's up in the mountain. He sees the disciples out on that sea struggling, toiling. And what did he do? He delayed. He waited. He could have come back when he first saw him, but he delayed till the fourth watch to go back to him in his coming to get him. Mark 6, verse number 46. Mark 6, 46. And when he had sent them away, he departed into, the mountain, into a mountain to pray. And when even was come, the ship was in the midst of the sea, and he alone on the land. He's right here. He sees them. They struggle out. The ship was where? In the midst of the sea. Now he's going to go down. He's delayed. And he saw them toiling and rowing. He saw them doing that in the evening, the very beginning. For the wind was contrary unto them, and about the fourth watch of the night he cometh unto them, walking upon the sea, and would have passed by them. They start toiling and rowing in the evening, and that first watch, he doesn't go to them until the fourth watch. He lets those guys struggle and just, you know, I know what it is to struggle, you know, and it's just like you get all, all bent up out of shape. He delays his coming. Come back to Matthew 14. Then he goes, 
And he goes to them in order to give them an opportunity to believe about who he said he is. Okay? That's, again, you go back, you go over there to James 1, and he talks there in James 1, Know this, that the trying of your faith worketh what? Patience. Okay? And that's what they're doing. He's working their faith out. He's ironing that thing out because what's coming their way? They got tribulation coming. They got a dark day coming against them. And they're going to have, he that endured to the end shall be, they got to work their self down through that. And he's teaching them. Okay? You follow all that? We got five minutes to finish the chapter. <laughs> okay? Verse 26. And when the disciples saw him walking on the sea, they were troubled, saying, It is a spirit. And they cried out for fear. But straightway Jesus spake unto them, saying, Be of good cheer. It is I. Be not afraid. Now, wouldn't that be an opportunity to believe? Here he comes. He proclaims himself to be Jehovah. He, he, go, he works it down in there. And then what does Peter say, verse 28? And Peter answered him and said, Lord, if it be thou, bid me come unto thee on the water. But look at that. Peter just, he stumped his toe again. He seems to do that at critical moments. <laughs> Lord, if it be thee. You know what Peter's doing? He's, he's not exercising great faith. Now, Peter is a man of great faith, don't get me wrong, but he, in this situation, he's not exercising it. Matthew 4, go back there to Matthew 4. Just got to remind you of this, it's been a while since we've been Matthew 4. Matthew 4, verse 3. And when the tempter came to him, he said, If thou be the Son of God, what is the language of the adversary? If thou be, yea, hath God said, Genesis 3. Come back to Matt, come over to Matthew 16. See, Peter is, is using language that belongs to the satanic policy of evil. If thou be the Son of God. If it's really you, Lord, let me come out there and walk on water with you. Matthew 16, look at verse 23. But he turned and said unto Peter, Get thee behind me, Satan. You see, Peter's communicating doctrine that belongs to the adversary. And Christ rebukes him. And the doctrine that belongs to the adversary is, Yea, hath God said, if, you, if it's really you. Come back to Matthew 14. You see, they, there they are. They see him walking on the water. Here he comes. He says, it's me, guys. Calm down. Have a little faith. And you know what faith should have said? Praise the Lord. There he is. He's our, he's our Jehovah. He's our Redeemer. He's our Savior. He's everything. And yet, what did he say? If it's really you, let me come out there and walk on there to you. If, by the way, Matthew 14 now. Did you get back there? Look down at verse 31. And immediately Jesus stretched forth his hand and caught him and said unto him, O ye of what? Great faith? Little faith. 
Wherefore didst thou doubt? Do you, did you doubt who I said I was? That's the doubting. Not that he was the... He, they're doubting who he said he was. Go back up there to verse 28. Peter answered him and said, Lord, if, thou, if it be thou, bid me come unto thee on the water. If you are who you are, and if you are who you say you are, let me come and walk on the water to you. Now, you have to understand what's going through Peter's mind here. <laughs> he knew that if, if the Lord was really the Messiah, that he could go out there and be identified with him and walk on the water and everything would be okay. So what did the Lord say to him in verse 29? And he said, come on down, come on, come. And when Peter was come down out of the ship, he walked on the water to go to Jesus. Come on. But so what did Peter, I mean, you think about Peter, commercial fisherman, he knows what to do in the boat. <laughs> He's not too good on the outside of the boat, you know. I was watching that deadliest catch, and the, the captain's like, I don't want to get in the water. <laughs> Let's fix this so we don't end up in the water. You know, the last place he wanted to be was in, the, in, in, in that Bering Sea, you know. <laughs> and, and, well, here Peter is. He climbs down over there, and he begins to, he's walking on water to, to the Lord. But watch verse 30. But when he saw the wind boisterous, he was afraid and began to sink. And beginning to sink, he cried, saying, Lord, save me. Why did he begin to sink? Well, he didn't begin to sink because of the storm. He's walking on in spite of the storm. The circumstances weren't the issue, were they? No. What did he do? He took his eyes off of the Messiah, the Lord. That's that, that issue back over there in Hebrews 12 where he says, Looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith. But right before that, it talks about that issue of a laying aside every sin that doth easily beset us. That's what Peter, he quit looking at Christ. He began to look at his circumstances. And as Peter represents that little flock over there, he begins to, he begins to go down. And in that tribulation, the circumstances, the persecutions, the problems, the martyrdoms, all of the tremendous trouble that they're going to face is not the issue. The issue is going to be Christ. And that is all that's going to matter. And that's all that that little flock needs to remember to get them through safe to the other side. It's looking to Christ. That's it. All that stuff out there, all that other stuff isn't, gonna, isn't the issue. Verse 30, but when he saw the wind boisterous, he was afraid and began to sink and cried, saying, Lord, save me. And in two days, Jesus stretched forth. No, and what? Immediately. Isn't that interesting? Immediate help. Immediate deliverance. Stretched forth his hand and caught him and said unto him, O thou of little faith, wherefore 
didst thou doubt? And when they were come into the ship, the wind ceased. And then they that were in the ship came and worshipped him, saying, Of a truth thou art the Son of God. And again, that tremendous lesson is being taught here, that they are actually acknowledging him for who he is. They finally got the, the issue. They finally got it. In verse 34, And when they were gone over, they came into the land of Guinness, Guinness, I can never say that goofy play. Anyway, that land, Gennesaret. Verse 35, And when the men of that place had knowledge of him, Christ, they sent out into all the country round about and brought unto him all that were diseased and besought him that they might only touch the hem of his garment. And as many as touch were made perfectly whole. They're out in the morning. They're out toiling all through the night, the tribulation. The Lord comes, rescues them. And then into the kingdom blessing, and they're perfectly healed and made whole the whole. Tribulation. Get them. Okay. Um, come back with me to, to Psalms 107. You see, they come to the shore. They know who he is. And the millennial blessings, the blessings that God promised them, begin to flow in their midst. And again, Christ is training the little flock for the future ministry, Psalms 107, that they're going to have in his absence. He's taking them through the experiences here that later on will be illustrations of the doctrine and the truth that he's teaching them that will sustain them through the night. Psalms 107, if you look at verse 28, Then they cry unto the Lord in their trouble, and he bringeth them out of their distresses. He maketh the storm a calm, so that the waves thereof are still. Then are they glad, because they be quiet. So he bringeth them into their desired haven, Oh, that men would praise the Lord for his goodness and for his wonderful works to the children of men. That's what he's doing. He's just he's getting them right in. Okay? That's what he's doing. Now, when you come back to Matthew 14, next week we'll start verse, we'll start chapter 15. And we'll begin to see then came to Jesus scribes and Pharisees which were of Jerusalem saying and now the old religious muckety mucks show up to try to get him and again he starts dealing with them in parables and kind of messes with them and goes out and heals a bunch of people and feeds a bunch of more people and they just keep coming at him and he just keeps dealing with them okay but the pictures here, the feeding of the 5,000, the walking on the water, all designed to teach that little flock about that coming ministry they're going to have. 
and the mess that they're going to have to work down through. But if they can keep him as the center of their thinking, then they'll be fine. Okay? Sounds a little bit like us today. All right? Not a little bit, a lot. All right. Dearly Father, we thank you for the evening, Lord. We thank you for your word. And above all, Lord, we thank you for who we are in your son, for everything that you've given to us in him. And Lord, just pray that you would be the focus of our attention in everything. In your name we pray. Amen.